Welcome to the UC Berkeley Data Science Education Podcast. We're happy you're listening in today. In this space, you'll hear from a variety of distinguished data science educators and professionals. The individuals we'll speak with are diverse in experience and perspective, but share the common goal of shaping the future of data science education. Our idea is to have some informal conversations with the goal of creating community and let people hear from practitioners in this growing new field. And my name is Lauren Chu, also from Data Science Undergraduate Studies. I'm working as an intern with the division's external pedagogy team, and I'll be helping to guide the conversation today, too. Hey, everybody. Today, we have a professor from Berkeley, Lisa Yan. Uh, I would say, Lisa, you're kind of famous amongst the students of Berkeley, but maybe some of our listeners don't know about you. Uh, could you give us a brief in- introduction to yourself and what you're currently working on? It's very kind of you to say so, Eric. Uh, My name is Lisa Yan, um, pronouns are she, her. I'm an assistant teaching professor in electrical engineering and computer science. Um, I actually started at Berkeley now uh, a few years ago now, so spring 2022. And so this is my fourth semester here. Um, But I had a secret uh, past life as a Berkeley undergrad uh, way back, uh, I graduated in 2013, also in electrical engineering and computer science. Um, and so the reason why I'm here today to talk on this podcast and to talk about data science education is that um, as part of my role, not only do I teach classes in our EECS major, but I also teach them in data science. And you know, I think over my time doing my PhD and kind of looking at these different types of things, both in computer networks, from everything from computer networks to data science, it, uh, sorry, to data science and like the sort of AI in the classroom, it really does feel like it's it's fantastic that Berkeley has an undergraduate degree to cover really a lot of the things that I learned in three degrees worth of materials. So I'm really excited to be here. Um, I, I kind of teach at that level then. So I teach a data 101, which is a data engineering class, a lot of SQL, a lot of systems. Um, and I also teach CS61C, which is our great ideas in computer architecture and is also an introduction to computer systems. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and I just also want to highlight to begin with, outside of your core technical classes, you also lead smaller seminars like Technology, Society, and Power, and social implications of computer technology. And that seems to be like something that you just, you know, you have a personal passion for. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about those classes? Sure. Um, And, you know, to clarify, I don't know if I would have a personal passion for it, but I think it's something that um, really is necessary in today's, um, today's day and age, and especially in such a major so um, my thought is, you know, we, we do have this new college, Computing, Data Science, and Society. I um, mean, as we think about the society component, um, I really do want to have that society component be on an equal lake as computing and data science. So the two, the two seminars that I teach, um, Social Implications of Computer Technology, that's actually um, the one unit ethics requirement course for electrical engineering and computer science. Um, and over the past few semesters, I've redeveloped it not only to engage the students more via kind of more in-depth readings and more in-depth discussions, but also to update it to a lot of the topics that our students are actively wrestling with today. Um, Maybe not even in their classrooms, but just in their everyday life. So everything from social media and its implications um, to generative AI, which I know is the hot topic right now, um, especially with ChatGPT. 
the smaller seminar that I have, just to give a quick comment on that, that was actually a collaboration done, my, done with me and my colleague um, in computer science, Sarah Chasens. And that's a freshman sophomore seminar uh, really dedicated to reading these um, books that end up being right at the intersection of technology, society, and power. So we read um, scholars like Ruha Benjamin, uh, Eugenie Morozov, um, and a few others that are really fundamental to kind of defining and, and describing the ways that society implicates uh, technology and vice versa. So everything from kind of systemic structures that we have to work-life balance, um, to tech, this idea of techno-solutionism and how it impacts a lot of the ways that we try to solve problems in this area. Um, and, you know, just to step back a little bit and, again, think about the society piece, I think it really came to mind when, um, you know, I started teaching around 2020 or so, right after my PhD. Uh, and, and at that time, it was really, really difficult because not only was the pandemic happening, um, but also there were uh, nationwide protests and, and international protests, especially around um, police uh, brutality and, and uh, Black Lives Matter. And I think you know, it, like I kind of had an epiphany, which is that for a lot of our students, there are things that are more important than simply just the technical solutions. Um, and we really need as as our um, as our undergraduate education updates, we really need to be able to provide space for that. And so these kind of seminars are a way to, to start working on that. Um, and, and we'll see what happens in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, you also have a couple of bigger grants in the space of creating collaboration across campuses outside of Berkeley. You have an NSF grant with Tuskegee University. Um, could you share about some of the big themes you're working on in those collaborations? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I have a few grants in this space, and they're mostly to develop this a uh, new interdisciplinary introductory course, which is truly about computing data science and society. Um, so we're calling it Data6 at UC Berkeley. It's actually existed for a while, um, but we're, we're trying to redevelop it such that it's accessible uh, and interesting and applicable to many, many different students and not just necessarily UC Berkeley students. So as part of that, um, the grant work is with Tuskegee University, um, which is an HBCU in Tuskegee, Alabama. Uh, HBCU is a historically black uh, college or university. Uh, it's also a collaboration with UC Merced, which is another UC uh, system that also happens to be on the semester schedule, but has a large number of MIR students, has a lot, uh, is a Hispanically serving institution. Um, and then we also are working with Laney College, which is right down the street, a junior college that is looking to adapt a lot of introductory data science curriculum um, for their students to transfer into these larger pathways. So to me, um, some of the big themes here are the interdisciplinary nature that I've kind of talked about already, but also the interinstitutional nature that's required to be able to build a course that speaks to not just many students, but many different types of classrooms. I think at UC Berkeley, um, we have a tendency to have these very, very large classrooms, and we do try to kind of support that with smaller group discussions, um, but even those are taught by, let's say, people in computing or people in data science, if I'm just speaking about data science courses. Um, and so if, what if there was a model uh, that exists at many of these smaller colleges where the instructor is the one who teaches all of the students, and there's maybe only 10 or 15 students, um, and there's no discussion section led by TAs. And so once you have that sort of model, um, you know, a lot of the ways that uh, we distribute our uh, big curriculum here uh, at Berkeley, like Data 8 or Data 100, um, you know, a lot of the things about auto grading, all of these things kind of break down. Um, so trying to rethink some of those pedagogical approaches, um, as well as some of the topics that we 
we talk about that is a really big core uh, part of the script. Awesome. Thank you. I'm really excited about that work. I think there's a lot of demand for it out there. Um, okay, so you have taught Data 100, the big upper division class, a couple of times, and now you're all in on Data 101, the database class. Um, what are some of the lessons you've learned in, in teaching these big classes and like, you know, the huge popularity of this major? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'm learning two things. And so one of the reasons why I came to Berkeley um, was because of this interdisciplinary nature. And that's what, that's actually one of the reasons why I love teaching um, at in this uh, data science major. Um, and the reason why I do love teaching data 100 and data 101 specifically is it's my idea of kind of a, a gateway class <laughs> to be able to uh, teach students all of these skills and all of these applications that, that they can then use to translate into their own study. Um, so as opposed to some of the lower division classes that we have, which teach the principles um, of data science, something like Data 100 teaches them techniques that they see in industry um, and, and addresses uh, like social implications. Um, I actually, one of the projects that we work with in that class is um, a project with our human context and ethics folks uh, over in across campus and to kind of describe the ways that um, Cook County, which is a county um, that houses uh, Chicago, Illinois, um, has housing allocations and how that kind of the, the implications of housing prices and, and the assessment of housing prices um, is correlated with region and also has this um, historic uh, nature of redlining in the United States. So there's just like, there's a lot of really fun things there. And I, I think for Data 100 students, especially, they're just really excited to see that, you know, the beautiful bow, uh, you know, ribbon and bow that we tied a lot of our data sets, a lot of our principles with in an earlier class like Data 8, suddenly it's not a, it's not a, you know, a gift box, but now it's just a cardboard box. And then it's kind of like, it's a little messy inside. There's actually multiple boxes and then you gotta have to um, really untangle that data. So I really like that principle. Um, data 101, uh, which I, like I said, is a, a data engineering class that I'm teaching right now. That's actually a super, super new class. Um, this is the third time it's being taught overall. It's the first time for me. Um, and I'm really starting to see that, you know, for, for students who are coming from a data science discipline, um, they have a lot of interdisciplinary skills. And one of the skills that they need to learn um, is the ability to engineer these systems. And so is the ability to kind of think broadly about, um, you know, data is not just the fun and the, and the science of understanding and modeling things. It's also the nitty gritty of realizing that performance plays an issue when you're trying to load a million, a million rows, rows into a SQL data set and things like this. So I just have a really fun time teaching it. Um, I think the, you know, yeah, my lessons are kind of just like, I think there's there's something about these gateway classes that's incredibly enabling um, for students. And I think it's very important that we kind of address that critical pivot in their education from the lower division to the upper division with care. Uh, and the reason why I say that's kind of like, um, how do I say it? I think the there's a challenge from going from very, very structured material to something that is suddenly a little bit more unstructured, a little bit more powerful. Um, and that is both a curriculum change as well as, as well as a pedagogical change. So some of the things that I tell my students is like, you know, you are learning how to learn as well. <laughs> and being able to provide students with the guardrails, provide them with um with the support that they need to realize what they find interesting. I think that's one of that's one of the things that I tried to do in these large classes. Um and and it's, it's a challenge, but you know, we're getting there. 
Definitely. Um, as a data science major myself, you know, I took data eight last last year and I'm taking data 100 right now. And I really love how you described it as a kind of gateway class. Like I joined the data science major because of the interdisciplinary nature that I could kind of choose whatever emphasis I want and then incorporate data science within it. So I definitely um, kind of resonate with what you're saying, especially being able to use all these skills and then apply it to whatever field that I want to. Um, kind of pivoting to more talking about the pedagogical things that you've been talking about. What are some of the biggest challenges that you face with establishing um, data science curriculum? That's a great question as well. Uh, so I think this comes back to this sort of gateway analogy. I think the thing that I want to avoid is gatekeeping, right? Which is, I think, how a lot of our, our sort of, you know, very popular majors end up being because, you know, they're so big. Uh, it's very easy to feel like a small fish in a not even just a big lake, but like an ocean. Um, and, and it feels like you have to really push your way to the front. And that's what I wanna try to avoid. So a lot of my pedagogy is built around um, keeping students on track. And I, I know that sounds a little bit um, authoritative, um, but really it's, it's about empowering students to realize that they can actually keep up with material if, if they have the capacity to, but also if something, if something pops up that we are able to um, be flexible with them without lowering the bar. And I think that's really, really important for me. Um, so examples of how this manifests are, um, so one of the things that I like to do in lecture is I like to have these sorts of active learning types of questions. Um, and so we just pause, instead of asking an open-ended question, I just have multiple choice. Uh, and then students feel like they can respond, they can see how other people are responding, and then I also give them the option to change their answers afterwards. And it's not marked on correctness, it's really just marked on whether they're actively participating or not. And, and I've uh, heard anecdotally from students that that's incredibly powerful, because it lets them breathe, number one, uh, in the class, you know, while all these different topics are, are being thrown at them. But it also lets them engage and see how they're doing um, with respect to other people or with respect to their own knowledge. Um, and then finally, it also just keeps them accountable for watching lecture, which I think is uh, one of those challenges, um, you know, when when I am teaching so many students. Um, at the same time, to kind of support that sort of uh, that that pattern of, of learning, sometimes things happen, right? And, and things happen oftentimes to our most disadvantaged students because they have, um, let's say, family things to take care of, personal things to take care of. Um, or for any student, there could be just something that happens during the middle of the semester. So um, one of the things that I'm trying to work with with our teaching assistants here um, is to figure out how we can accommodate these students, how we can set them on different timelines without um, adjusting a lot of the different logistics of the class. Um, but yeah, like how, how we can really support them through um, both I don't want to say kindness because I, I hate being put into the bucket of like you know kind young female assistant professor but how we can support them with um compassion and and kind of camaraderie to make sure that you know we're all a team and we're all trying to get everyone um to the finish line and you know if if you have something else you want to do that's fine and then we can kind of you know work with with you so um so that's kind of one of the biggest challenges i'm working with is the ability to support students um, while also making sure that they do learn all of the material or that they, that they learn the material that they want to. Um, yeah, I think, is that it? Oh, one other thing, and I know we're kind of getting off track with the questions that you had given me, um, but I think something that has worked out really well this semester with Data 101 
is, um, well, first of all, Data 101, a lot of seniors are actually taking this class. And so a lot of them are on the job market. And they're looking at inter like potential internships and then finishing in the fall semester, let's say. But a lot of them are graduating and looking for full-time positions. So one of the things that I did this semester is instead of having regular office hours, um, which normally uh, students don't come to instructor office hours, especially in huge classes, um, I, I relabeled them as tea hours. So we can have coffee and tea together and you know people stop bringing coffee or tea but they, you know they they come with questions that are really beyond the scope of the curriculum um they're really about you know what does it mean to do an, an an interview what does it mean how can i boost my resume right now or how can i get into grad school what are strategies for looking for recommendation letter writers so i ended up doing a lot of this really valuable advising that to me is honestly one of the perks of the job is to really really just help students um think through some of their next steps. And so I'm just really happy to be at this um, junction where a lot of uh, like, and provide this opportunity for students to think about where they wanna go next. Definitely. I really like how you focus on not just actually teaching the content, but being supportive, um, just as a person to talk to beyond the content itself, but also like career advice, grad, grad school advice um, and things like that. So kind of moving on, um, you've taught a bunch of big classes as well as small seminars. Um, from that experience, what teaching models do you find most effective? Great question. Um, I think all of it depends on the material, of course. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I do wrestle with is that our program is so large. And you know, so the, this this response kind of blends together with the previous response a little bit. Um, but you know, sometimes there's just a, a need for depositing material, um, just in terms of this is the equation or this is the function that you use, et cetera. Um, but I do wanna move beyond that because for, for me, um, I follow the Paulo Freire model of kind of like a critical model of education, which is the, the, the like kind of a problem solving approach, which is I do think that by posing students with a problem or by posing students with a situation, it allows them to bring in their own domain knowledge as well, or their own personal knowledge and personal experience to be able to solve the problem. And we found that students are so, so creative. So even in these sorts of very, really well-structured technical classes, students are like, oh, hey, you know, I found that are like, I'm very interested in Python and I found this randomization thing, can I use this? Or, Man, I, I like I really wish we could do SQL in this. Anyway, so like just thinking about all these different opinions that are happening here and allowing space for students to realize that their education is kind of their own. Um, I think that's a really powerful, powerful piece. So in Data 100, we have these huge, huge lectures. I think I think of that as a space for depositing material. And like I said, for these sort of active learning exercises that allow students to feel a little bit more ownership over that that that, that banking model in some sense. Um, and then one of my goals when I teach things like Data 100 is to really have the um, small group discussion or these sorts of um, TA-led sections be a space for problem solving. And that's something that we're working towards culturally um, in the data science department is to really have it be problem solving and, and not another uh, another way for students to get knowledge deposited into them. Like I want, I want TAs to think a little bit about techniques and tricks and being able to enable um, students to also propose those to one another. I think the biggest challenge that I have right now in the sort of teaching models is uh, back to the society component. So I teach a seminar and it's like the one seminar that a lot of our um, EECS students, which is not the data science major, but our EECS students take. Um, it's just like the one kind of ethics slash social implications class that really deals with um, something that's in their fields. 
I think that class could benefit so much from a small group discussion because I think one of like, the the idea of open dialogue in, in those sorts of courses really means a lot, especially when students are hearing all these different things about, you know, cryptocurrency or, you know, generative AI or social media addiction or, you know, Congress hearing, congressional hearings, all these types of things. There's just a lot of news swirling around. Um, and to be able to provide students space to think about that critically and to talk with each other, I think that's much more effective um, than, than me giving my uh, like millennial view of the world down to, down to you know, uh, Generation Z. So I think that one we could definitely do some work um, to, to try and facilitate small discussion. I definitely agree. I really like with these big classes with Data A, Data 100, I especially benefit from those small group discussions. I feel like these classes can be kind of overwhelming, but having those moments where I can talk to other peers as well as like the the GSI or UGSI who like has gone through this and they're only a few years older than me, I think really helps. Um, as we kind of get to the end of the interview, this is something that we always ask all of our interviewees. Um, do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for data science educators around the world? Yeah, I think my my biggest there's two <laughs> you know with with all of my responses there's two things um the first is that i do i really value um that uc berkeley has so many undergraduate teaching assistants i think it really brings a level of ge um genuine desire to teach and to learn uh, alongside our students and so one of one of the the things that I'm working on is to make that experience valuable for the teaching assistants as well, um, to just how to build them as effective teachers, how to perhaps incorporate them and interest them in a higher education teaching um, career later on. These are some of the things that I'm thinking about in the back of my mind. The second thought that I have, the second parting thought I have is just the, my realization every day that the study of data science is not just a technical one, but that it's applicable to pretty much anything uh, and everything because we are living in the world of data. And so understanding not just as, as a citizen how the data flows around us, but also understanding how we as data scientists can change the world around us with the way that we analyze data and understand data and share out um, our findings from data. I think that's really, really, it's really, really important that we continue to make such a field interdisciplinary and, and open to many, many different students. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You're so thoughtful. Um, I hope we can get more Lisa Yans in the world. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you're interested in learning more about data science education resources, please subscribe to our Substack to get notified when we release any future podcasts. And join our community Slack channel through the link provided in this episode's description. Thank you.